All right, LinkedIn. Hello, Required community. Dilta Doherty here from the Doherty Group and Required. And I'm joined today by Amy Davis from PGC Consulting Group. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Dilta. All good here. How are you? I'm very well. We're going to talk about my favorite subject, <laughs> the USA. Um, and you're the lady with the stats. So I suppose let's your background just before we go into it like give, yeah. give us a bit of a rundown yeah um been with pgc uh over 18 months now i think it is um heading up the kind of growth strategy um over in the us which is fun and exciting and we'll come on to talk more about that um really focusing on the recruitment sector and in, and specifically contracting as well prior to that i worked for optionus group for over six years, heading up first their umbrella business there, Parasol, which I think mm -hmm. will be more well-known brand than Optionus. Um, and then the last three years I was there, I was heading up their sales teams uh, across all of the brands within the group. So I know UK recruitment markets and contracting really well. No IR35, like, you know, back of my hands for my sins. It's not a, it's not a badge of honor that I wear now in IR35. But that's really helped me understand the context of our market going into the US then and looking at the differences and the complexities and being able to grasp um, what they are pretty quickly to be able to support. Yeah, lots of recruiters. So, from yeah, let's jump into some numbers. Um, the UK market, how many companies are there doing recruitment there compared to maybe the competitive analysis of, of the US? Yeah, well... It's really interesting actually when you compare the size and um, of the market of the two countries but i'll answer the question you asked then i'll talk about the actual opportunity so in the uk today our, our last count you've got around thirty-three thousand active recruitment agencies in the uk the uk holds around about a nine percent global market share in the us you've got around twenty-two thousand active recruitment agencies so a third less um, and they hold three times the size of the global market that the UK does. So the UK outweighs the next three top countries globally um, with a 31% market share. So in terms of saturation, the US is a far less saturated market. And, you know, that's just one of the reasons that makes it a hugely attractive market for UK recruiters to enter. So, um, so you got to see how competitive the UK market was. Yeah. And now you're seeing the other side. So it, tell me, I suppose, what is the, how, how do I go about doing recruitment in the, in the US? Like if I'm a, if I'm a UK business, is it worth my while? Should, should I just not stick to what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, do you know what I always say, particularly to recruitment founders is, you know, I speak to so many different types of recruitment businesses. And they all enter the US for different reasons. But mm -hmm. if you've got, you know, a founder who's watching today that is serious about growing a scalable business, is serious about investment, external investment in the future, maybe mm -hmm. has some sort of exit plan in mind. And that might be to stay with the business forever and continue to grow it. But it also might be, I want to retire, uh, uh, you know, whatever, I want to be a millionaire, yeah. whatever it is. If they've got some sort of exit plan in mind, then the US has to be on their roadmap. Yeah. Um, Just to stop there, I had a meeting with a prominent non-exec last week who's involved in that. And he said, 
US market mm-hmm. contract yeah. and a hyper niche discipline within that. If you tick those yeah. three boxes, 100%. You're on track. That's it. Um, so if you, yeah, if you've got international presence and you can demonstrate that you can grow a business in the US recruitment market. If you're across PEM and contract, you've grown both successful, so you can demonstrate that versatility in terms of your competency in the market. Um, and both those two things alone drive up the value and the multiple of the business which people either invest or buy the business from you. So, you know, if you've got those long-term plans, you know, make sure you go into the US. But what I'm saying is if you just want to enter the US to make a quick bit of money this year, maybe hit a personal, you know, monetary goal, then great, go for it. Um, but it probably won't be sustainable. It'll be a bit of a luck that you probably get your first deal rather than if you go in with the goals in mind, set and have a bit of a plan about it. But so I've, uh, I've worked the US market for, I don't know, five, six years, maybe longer. Yeah. Already keeping track. Um, and one of the things I, I've always dreamed of moving there. And I started going down that rabbit hole um, recently. Uh, so we're having this conversation. I'm in Gibraltar. Yeah. But before we moved here, I paid the lawyer fees, I did the incorporation, and I did the business plan. And yeah. just as we were going to pull the pin on it, I felt the cost of living was getting a wee bit out of control. We came here and I this made more sense to us yeah. as a lifestyle business owner. What's the story? If you don't want to move there, can you still do recruitment from the UK? Yeah, absolutely. It's how the majority of recruiters start. And actually, COVID really forced the hands with that because either, you know, people's revenue plummeted overnight and they then had to pivot and look for new ways, you know, try and access a new market. Or they had plans to actually physically go to America and the embassy shut shop, you know, for over a year where you couldn't actually get a visa to get a face-to-face appointment to get a visa. So it forced the hands to do it from the UK. But we've seen so many incredible success stories. And still to this day, you know, we've got businesses where they're based in the UK, and 80% of their revenue is coming from the US market. Wow. But they just they just gear their business up to be able to service the US market. So, you know, from the types of recruiters that they hire to the operations that they run, you know, the working hours that they do, uh, you know, the remuneration packages for those recruiters, it, it varies wildly because it, it's designed for the US market. So absolutely, like 99% of uk recruiters start in the uk they test the market they build the team they find the model that works for them they target the state they want to go to before they actually create a us entity how, how do you target the state like how what, like what give me some data on that yeah so first of all it will depend what industry that you're in and it will also depend on what your long-term plan is so if your long-term plan you know let's say is to have an office there then you're going to want to think of things like, you know, what's the cost of living in that state for the team yeah. that you're going to take over there? Um, what's the cost of taxes? So the equivalent corporation tax, you know, what's the, the best state that you could actually be based in? But most important and very obviously, where are your type of clients based? So, you know, what's your industry? What's the niche? Where are those clients? Where's the, the greatest concentration of those clients? And I would start with that. The other thing I would say is so many people will head to those popular states. They think, oh, I've got to be in New York or I've got to be in California. Like that myth just needs to spell in completely. You'll pay a lot of money 
to be mm. located in those states, but you can be just as, just as, if not more, successful in more of an upcoming state than if you were to go to the two obvious ones. Is there is there a best practice in place? Is there like an example that everybody points to and goes, that company did it the right way. They set up in the UK. They then moved over. They then went to this state, this state, this state. Can you think of anybody? Yeah, I mean, a really obvious one. I'm sure people have seen my recent podcast with Faden International. Mm -hmm. um, they've done a phenomenal job of heading over from the UK into the US. So they started off there then took a team over there. Kieran Behan was like employee number two at Faden, went on to manage their US side. They're now, I think they've got nine officers in eight states and over 600 people located in the US working for them. Like they've scaled their you know, model of success in their business really successfully. But I'll be honest, there's lots of others that you know aren't as big as Faden, but I've absolutely knocked it out of the park and are growing their presence in multiple states. I think a lot of people can look on at the big brands that have done really well and just think, you know, I, I can't catch up to that or it's too big. But I always say, like, just focus on what your business is because every founder and CEO is different. They have different goals at the end, different exit plans. Start with that, have your plan and just keep focused, stay in your lane and don't listen almost to the outside noise of what other brands are doing because it's achievable no matter what industry you're in or what your goals are. Um, or what your niche, you know, your type of roles that you recruit into. And one of the one of the things that Faden did well is that they got their L and D strategy right at the right oh, time. Yeah. Phenomenal. And, and what that meant was they had their the British engine room, which went over, but then they managed to become an American company. And that's yeah. the big, that's the big gap I see in a lot of a lot of firms. Yeah. So our best clients, what they do is they start in the UK. They, they do what we call is incubate a team. Um, so it's their UK recruiters. It's people who've got the culture, the DNA of the brand, you know, running through their veins and they love the business they're working for. And they get that, they incubate that team. They train them well. They grow it, but they only grow it with people who are willing to relocate within the next 12 to 18 months. They relocate that team who then have got that culture and that DNL, DNA and the way of success that that brand is built up. It, you know, built into them and they then recruit Americans in and they train them in the same way and they incubate a bigger team there and then they do, then they move across states. So, you know, and that's what Faden have done phenomenally well, uh, you know, the Faden way, as it's called, in terms of the training that they have there. But again, lots of other businesses can do that by just incubating and starting in the UK and then recreating what they've got in the UK over in the US. Yeah. You know, the other, sorry, the other thing I'd say on that is, there's a lot of value to be had in operations. So, you know, yes, you need great sales, people who can go out and win the clients, but actually if you can have a great operations with great processes that are documented, and then you can lift and shift that. When you come to exit a business, the value is also, as much as it is in the people, it's in the processes that you've got. Because what those investors want to do is say, this is amazing what this business done. Can I lift this? Go yeah. recreate with another brand over here, maybe in another country, or in the US and in other states. So there's value in the operational structure that you have in the UK oh, as well. I'm, I'm gonna to have to have a blatant plug here. I'm sorry. That, <laughs> we, we have a Rector Act business, but we have an advisory business as well yeah. that's run by my wife. And she, yes. that's what she does. So she goes She's in amazing. I know. and rips apart everything. She sits down with guys like me, right? And my, bigger businesses. And uh, she says, so tell me how things are going. Perfect, amazing, nothing wrong. <laughs> Okay, pull up this document for me. Oh, I don't know how. Mm. Uh, can you show me the data on this? 
uh, our people aren't really using the system. We kind of created our own internal ATS as well that we're half using, and this goes on and on and on. And you wouldn't believe, like, yeah. oh, I, I definitely believe. <laughs> <laughs> so very few people have that stuff right. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that 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 hit home. So I let's say I'm over there, and I'm doing deals. What what what's the difference between doing contract? in the US and in the UK and why do so many people struggle to get a contract business off the ground like because everybody I speak to uh, we're more pay like we say we do contract but we're more perm heavy more perm yeah 100% everyone starts in perm it's safe there's less risk um, and it gets them comfortable they get to build up their client base with minimal risk and do all of that from the UK they can still do contract from the UK as well and um, but it means that they can get the business up and running quickly now, the money is actually in contract. And even if you speak to, you know, I was speaking to a client not long ago who told me that his client asked him why he doesn't do contract and why he's climbing over the dimes to get the pennies or why he's climbing over the dollars to get the dimes, sorry. Yeah. Um, because then like, all the money is here and you don't want it. So the money is in contract. The reason that people delay it or put it off is because it is complex. You know, there's no getting away and hide that. Now, I will shamefully do a plug for us at the end of this. Here we go. <laughs> Get ready. Um, but essentially, you've got 50 states, which is the equivalent of 50 countries, because every state has its own government, its own laws, its own taxes. You have to be registered in every state as someone who can engage in payroll contractors. That's what PGC do. We do all of that kind of compliance and complexity. We take that away and deal it with you to allow you to just concentrate and find the contractor that your client needs. And then you give them to us. We onboard them. We payroll timesheets, do all the rest of that for them in all 50 states. And we do all the provinces of Canada as well. So the complexity can put people off. But I'll tell you what happens to Altair is people start in perm and they build these great relationships. American clients love UK recruiters. I always say there's no recruiter like a UK recruiter. So they end up, you know, forming this bond with the UK recruiter and they say, oh, we've got loads of contract. Can you do a contract for us? And the contract opportunity comes organically because it's based on a relationship of trust and a relationship based on performance and results. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that usually the founder, the CFO, whoever it is, will call PGC and say, we don't want to, want to say no to this, but we have no capability to run this internally. But we don't want to create masses of risk, particularly if they're not in the US. And that's where PGC come in and allow them to have a solution that allows them to say yes to those organic opportunities. But 100% people start with pain very quickly. The organic opportunity of contract comes apparent. By 2027, the US industry has predicted that 50% of its workforce will be contract and contingent or contingent. So it's huge in the US um, and it's not slowing down, it's only growing. So there's demand everywhere for contract and that's what a lot of our clients find when they start to work the pair market. Very quickly, they're asked about contract. So if I'm a, if I'm a recruiter, I've done the UK market, I'm used to doing my thing, I've, I understand people because you know, they're my people, I'm, I'm living amongst them. What are the things I need to be aware of when I start to work that desk in the US? Like what cultural differences in terms of the way companies hire or communicate? Or can you kind of give us like, yeah. what? how can I not put my foot in the, my mouth? 
Um, so there's a lot of differences. I'll start by saying that the culture varies state by state. Again, think of it as 50 countries. So how you might, you know, business develop a client in California might be very different from what you'll do in New York. So I'll talk generically, but sure. if anyone wants advice on a particular state, more than happy to do that separately. Um, but generally, Americans are very success orientated and driven you know they don't take holidays they do have they can take holidays but the reason they don't is because they're so driven and um, you know on success and being successful in anything that they do and um, what we typically find as well is just the market is very transient and moves at a phenomenal pace so there's no kind of long-winded recruitment processes especially when it comes to contract and one of the reasons for that is because you've got an at-will employment landscape so what that means is um, that employer can terminate, dismiss, sack, however you want to say it, a worker without notice and without reason. The worker as well can leave, walk off site from a job without notice, without reason. So all those American movies where you see them say, you're fired, and they pack up the brown box and walk out the same day. That literally is how it is. That's how it works. You don't even have to give a reason. So what that means is it's why recruiters are in such demand because straight away they either need someone to backfill that perm placement super quick, they want someone in, or if it's pivotal role and it's based on you know time critical goals or objectives, they're going to want a contractor in the short term whilst they look for a perm hire. But literally, you know, the average lead time to fill a role is five days in the US. Like it's so quick. And that's why recruiters love it. They get a call from the client and like, right, we need to fill this role right now. We need to be the quickest to it. So the pace is very, very quick. So it's important recruiters think about that when they're building up a US business because you need to have a candidate pool. You need a strong candidate pool. And um, particularly if you're in contracts, you can just pull people from contract to contract, you know, at very short notice. And um, so that's one of the other, I would say, um, biggest differences is, yeah, just the pace of how quick it moves. And do, is there any difference in the way that business development's done or in the way that like the sourcing's done or do, do you have like any eyes on that when you speak to your clients? Yeah, the majority, I mean, the sectors we typically deal with are tech, life sciences, finance and marketing. They're the sectors we typically mm -hmm. deal with just to add some context to what I'm about to say. The majority of candidates, they say, are found on LinkedIn. Um, we do hear a couple of other um, like software platforms out there that are useful. Job boards, not so much. They typically aren't as successful at sourcing candidates on jobs boards. And to be fair, our internal recruitment, we found similar. And um, so LinkedIn is typically where the majority of candidates um, are found. Hmm. There's a, there's a lot to digest here. Yeah. Uh, some would say the biggest risk is not going to that market. Which state is the most popular one that you're seeing people move to now? Like, so uh, to give you a bit of a rundown in, in our experiences on this, um, when we started, uh, it was everybody was just first setting up in New York. So yes. obviously Paige and Walters were there, but they hadn't really done what they've done in other places. S3 were, were there and they were starting to ramp up, but they hadn't really yet and Faden, i don't think we're just there at that stage and spencer ogden were starting to ramp up yes. so there, there wasn't there wasn't much and then the, the oil and gas players were in houston um, yeah. but that was kind of it really and then i started seeing a lot of movement towards california um but yeah. 
where, I mean, where are we seeing it now? Yeah, I mean, as you said, the most popular and established market. So just to you know be clear that these are established markets of California. Um, actually, just talking about California, if you looked at GDP of all the states, and if you ju just took California's GDP last year alone, if you looked at that state as a country, it'd be the fifth largest country in the world for GDP. Like yeah. this is what I mean by don't say you're entering the US, be very specific in what state, but California, um, New York, North Carolina, and and you know, more recent years, Texas has really joined that full fold. It was always seen as an upcoming state. Now it's totally established. You know, you've got Austin, which is just seen as like, you know, the new tech hub of the US. You've got major players who've moved into Austin and created so many jobs there. Um, upcoming states though, you know, where are the next states that people could start to look at now if they don't want to follow the crowd? Uh, we're hearing a lot um, from our clients who are targeting and experiencing traction in Florida. Again, you've got to remember, you don't need to be in the state where your clients are now. Um, you know, pre-COVID, that would be it, which is why a lot of people went to the likes of New York and California. Now, you don't need to be there. You just need to be in the US. So a lot of clients are choosing Florida for the lifestyle, for their recruiters that they relocate and attract. And also, corporation tax is incredibly low. It's around 6%. There's no personal income tax. So there's lots of benefits why people are going to Florida. But they're not only going there, they're experiencing great traction in the US market. So people who are going there, the two popular locations in Florida are Miami, Party mm -hmm. Central, and um, but also Tampa. Tampa's come up a lot, and I've got a lot of clients who are going there as well. Colorado, particularly Denver, that's a you know a hot spot at the minute. You've got a couple of brands that have moved in there, Microsoft. Gymshark have actually just gone over there and headquartered there as well. So some well-known brands are heading over there. Um, and then Pennsylvania as well, uh, particularly really? Pittsburgh. It's just starting to come up. I'd say that's a bit further behind. But interestingly, Dilta, I always like, like to look at the longer-term growth rather than just what you hear and where you think people are going now. Um, and SIA recently did kind of projected growth of tech jobs. So this is very tech focused now. Tech roles by, um, you know, in the next 10 years. So by the end of 2032. And on top was Utah with 26% projected growth. Then Arizona, followed by Colorado and then Nevada were in fourth, which was a surprise. Interesting. Um, so those states, you know, if you've got those long term strategy goals and, and you know, maybe if those goals you want to come to fruition in six to 10 years, you may want to take a look at those states as well, because that's where the long and if you're in tech, obviously, mm -hmm. that's where the most creation of jobs is going to be in tech over the next 10 years. So let's ju let's jump into the macro stuff then, because we're, we're veering yeah. into it. If we look at the the pandemic and how the great immigration from California has affected things. And you'll also see that the money is dripping out of California to other other locations. Are, are, are most recruiters just re recruiting remote ro roles across the US now? Or it, it, like, how does that you know what? I don't see remote roles that often in recruitment. A lot of the clients I work with, they like people to be, they like recruiters to be in the office. Um, some will have a hybrid model and um, some have moved towards that, but still the majority, the proportion of time is spent in the office. So I don't see recruiters being remote, but I do see recruitment businesses not being in the state where their target clients are necessarily. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, the money 
in, if you think about Austin and Texas, where you've got all these Texas, Miami. Yeah, moving in, exactly. And then all these Californians, because of COVID, are now moving out of California um, yeah. to essentially inject the cash that they've got from California into these other states. You know, in Austin alone, the cost of living has massively increased in the last two years, like, like phenomenally increased in the last two years. But then you have got states like Florida with Miami, where the cost of living isn't increasing and it's a relatively low cost of living. So again, it's weighing up all, all the different factors that goes into choosing a location, either that you want to target from a sales perspective yeah. or where you potentially want your end game, you know, your office, your base. Uh, I'm, gonna pick, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Where, where would you choose? If you were if you were to look at something within the STEM stuff that uh, that that you know, which city would you pick? I would definitely go to Denver, Colorado. Honestly, just because it's upcoming, not a lot of people are there yet, but there's a lot of investment going on in that state. There's a lot of companies moving there. Um, I think Florida's just behind Austin, and then you've got Denver. So if I was to choose today, I would go there for that future growth trajectory. All right. I think that uh, I think that's probably as much as we can cover today. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other things. Uh, what the W A B E N E form? What is that? Because like people in our community get asked for it sometimes. Can yeah. you? Again, I've done a video on this because I get asked this question so much. I'm like, you know, rather than having to wait for some time for a call, I'll send you a video. Yeah. Essentially, when you're running your business, your US business through your UK entity. Um, please, I'm not an accountant, so do seek proper tax advice. Yeah. But, you know, across the board, generally, all the taxes running through the UK business. And um, in most states, you don't pay tax on recruiting services or the equivalent of that, if you like, over in the US. Um, however, so there's no kind of anything to answer to to the IRS. However, um, for clients based in the US that are showing their revenue and what they've paid out, they have to explain why they didn't have to pay the US equivalent of VAT on your services for your UK entity. And it's because essentially they're dealing with an alien business, a business from outside of the US. And so they will ask clients to complete a W8 Ben E form. And all that is saying is yes, we're an alien business. And yes, we provide these services. And yes, the VAT doesn't apply. Now, that sounds really simple. However, recruiters get these forms and they're so complicated. It is not easy to decipher, um, which is why we always get asked the question. Um, but it, you're doing it for your client. It's not for your business to protect yeah. you from paying tax or anything. It's for the benefit of your client. So you, sh you do need to understand how to complete it to be able to help your clients out yeah. and you know do that for them. Um, but it's not necessarily about your tax um, as a business. Do I need do I need different terms of businesses for different yes. things? Yes. No. <laughs> oh, no, not different states, but for the US. So oh, okay. a lot of people do make that mistake. The biggest mistake people make is they take everything from the UK into the US. So terms, marketing strategy, pricing, which is insane because you earn so much more in the US on markups and margins. Um, but when it comes to terms of business, absolutely get terms of business that are written for the US because... What you want to do initially when you enter the US market, you know, from the UK, you need to protect your UK entity. The US is a highly litigious market, so there's risk there. Um, so whatever terms you have need to protect the UK entity. If you've got UK terms, they won't stand up in US, you know, court of law. So definitely seek advice from, you know, a US attorney that understands 
the, the two countries and how the laws differs. Um, I've got a great one. I'm sure you guys have got a partner as well at Required. But yeah, definitely, definitely get terms of business. But you don't need them for every state deal. Tell you just need one terms. Okay. All right. That's us today. Thank you so much, Amy. No worries. Get you back on whenever we get more questions from it. And uh, we'll get to get, I'll, I'll post this obviously in the different Rackwire groups yeah. and get it out to our community. Uh, but if anybody else is watching this on LinkedIn, how can they get in touch with you? Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, really easy. Either, you know, I'll have a quick call with you or one of the team. You know, we're very consultative, so we're not even going to probably sell our contract solution when we speak. You all just want to hear about what are your plans, why are you entering the US market, give you tons of advice to help you. And that'll just be with me or one of the team in the UK initially. And then hopefully, you know, we can support you with a contract solution when those clients come knocking on your door. All right. 28 minutes and 50 seconds of pure, absolute gold, Amy. Um, loads of stuff in there. I, I'm sure people are going, that's too much information. I need to <laughs> unpack it. So do call her. Go through yeah, it. definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. That's all Thank today. You. Take care. Bye, everyone. All right, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. Pretty much as much information as you need to get going in the US. You do need different experts for different things. They're the best for contract. Get somebody else for your terms. You know, we do the Rector X stuff. There's different things you need for different elements of your business, but you can get started today. It's really easy to get these deals done. The margins are better, as Amy uh, mentioned, uh, and the fees are higher and it's less competitive. So there you go. Uh, if you want to find out any more, you want to join the Rec Wire community, please hit me up today.